It is the Brotherly Love Podcast on Anchor.fm and all of your podcast platforms. Joined, as always, by the one and only John Mita. I am Joe O'Donnell, and I'm sitting outside today, Johnny Mita, because it's beautiful out in Waukee, Iowa. And uh, it's actually a little hot, to be quite honest, but i got the shades on. So if you hear the background noise, you hear the birds chirping, you know why. I just figured rather than getting in my little hole, uh, getting a little ambiance for this, this week's Brotherly Love Podcast. How are you, brother? I'm doing well, Joe. Doing well. Um, yeah. I mean, the week always, always starts off better if the Eagles find a way to win. So, yes. Yeah, things I, things I are on the up and up. I agree. And you know what? Like, as much as I would like the fifth overall draft pick to make this football team way better for the future, I can't suffer through a season that gets you the fifth overall draft pick. So, I can't do it. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not ready to do it. I don't want to do it. Um, you know, this, like, I, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but I feel like this football team should be two and two or three and one. Here we are at one, two and one. What the hell are you going to do about it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the injuries are kind of hampering this team big time, but if there's, if you could give me, this is just completely on the spot here yeah. before we get off and rolling. If you give me one play that if it was different, the Eagles are two and two. Or three and one, just they'd have a better record. What's the one play? I mean, the one, the one play is clearly his, his, you know, miss to Miles Sanders coming out on that wheel route would have probably won the game for him. So against the Bengals, against the Bengals, and then that would make you don't them put, t- you don't go the false start on the field goal. Yeah, but that was still a really long field goal too. You know, yeah. so there was no guarantee. But didn't Wentz score later to to uh, force overtime? He did after the Miles Sanders miss. But I don't, I don't know if that was in overtime. That might have been in overtime. I can't remember. Yeah. So I the other one I'd give you is this, John Mita. The end of the first half interception, week one, when it was seventeen nothing. That the Redskins had no. Sorry, the Washington Football Team. They weren't in that game. Yeah. They had no business being in that game. They got momentum at the end of that first half with that pick and their score. Yep. No, absolutely. You know, I don't think they rally. You know, I don't care what Dwayne Haskins says at halftime to that team. Well, how about him? He, he's relegated the third string right, right. now. He's yeah. sitting behind Alex Smith with right. 20, 20, 20 repair leg surgeries, which yep. is unbelievable. Yep. You're talking Crazy. about a first-round draft pick that Dan Snyder wanted. Well. It's good when he gets involved. He's like, you know, you know what? I just saw the Cowboys just gave up another touchdown. Yep, that's right. Somebody just threw another pass that went to the house. The Cowboys atrocious defense. How bad are they? Just when I thought our defense was bad, they make (laughs) us look like all pros. I mean, it's amazing. And they have, they have talent. I can't figure that one out. Did they just not hate the coach? Did they hate the the DC Mike Nolan? I mean, they got well, a good think, defensive line. I think line. Ash is massive for yeah. that team. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you could he's, be. Sort of, he's sort of that straw that stirs the drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seems to be an emotional leader. Right, and they don't yeah. really have strong safety play either. So, uh, You mentioned before we got started, John Mita, that, that you talked to some folks that are regular listeners of the Brotherly Love podcast. We thank them for that. Um <laughs> And our bus segment, uh, who would we send out of Philly, current athletes? And you said some folks missed it because it was the tail end of the last podcast. 
I got a text uh, about that said segment. Um, <laughs> my sister was not too pleased that Furkan Korkmaz was on your bus. In fact, she said if she had a Twitter account, she'd be tweeting at the podcast. Well, she doesn't have a Twitter account, so you didn't have to feel any. So wait a minute. This is uh, your, your your sister sent this yeah. to you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She was defend upset over her fur count? Def- oh. Yeah. Just defend putting Korkmaz on the bus. You got to be kidding me. I am in complete, utter dismay right now. I know. I know. I mean, I has she watched too. him play a lot? Like, the guy just I don't comes know. up very small. Maybe she just liked the game winner in the corner. I mean, you can only hold on to that one memory for so long. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Um, that's all a, right, Johnny B. Let's jump into it, man. Great. We got a lot to get into. Um, we got a lot to talk about. The Birds went twenty-five to twenty, and what's got to be one of the oddest football scores in NFL history. Can play um, So let, we'll we'll get there, obviously. But we have we got some quick hits. We want to jump into a minute or two on each topic. My take, your take, both takes, whatever it takes. No pun intended. Uh, so let's jump into some of them. And, and first off, we'll talk a little hockey. Matt Niskanen retires from the Flyers. Now, the NHL draft is, I think, just wrapping up here. Day two uh, was moving a lot slower than a lot of people a lot of people expected, despite the virtual draft. I think they're in the fifth or sixth round now as the NHL draft. Flyers have made a few picks. But uh, Matt Niskanen retired this week, caught a lot of people by surprise. I actually got wind of it about, gosh, an hour or two before the the real announcement, and I was thinking, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hint at this. I'm gonna try and break it on the podcast uh, without getting my source in trouble. Uh, a common, common friend of ours that we know is uh, in tight there with the orange and black. Uh, but then they, you know, the news broke later that day, so I was unable to uh, get us the scoop. But uh, Matt Niskanen retire in the right shop, veteran D, uh, acquired for Radko Gudis. Uh, a lot of credit goes to him for the development of Ivan Provorov. If you talk to people that really know that situation there with the Flyers, sort of surprising. Good for Niskanen to go out on his own terms. He did get a Stanley Cup with the Caps a couple of years back. Uh, but a big hole to fill now on the Flyers' blue line. Your thoughts? Well, I mean, it's just he was that one. Listen, we have a ton of young, up-and-coming, just kind of getting their feet wet defensemen. And for, for him to retire, he was kind of – he didn't have a great playoff, but – just his presence in him and with the experience was large. So not to have that, I think that's kind of why they were kind of forced to to re-sign Braun because, like, if they didn't re-sign him, then they would literally have, like, not really any veteran presence as far as D-men go. They could always go out and get one. But I think it's good to have an old Wiley veteran back there. And this kid was one of those guys that could pretty much do everything. He wasn't the most physical, yep. but pretty good skater. Could obviously offensively make some things happen. But listen, when you play a rough and, and gritty and tough sport like that, and you have your wits about you, and if you've you've done the, you've kind of accomplished everything that you want to do in your career, and obviously winning a championship with the Capitals is, you know, right up there on the list of you know once you get that Stanley Cup victory and that ring, I mean. Uh, listen, you play that sport. He he played what eleven years? Was it eleven? Uh, I I don't know. I think he's thirty three, so that would make some sense. Yeah, uh, I think he played yeah, like eleven run. years. I mean, eleven years in any professional sport. I mean, that's a hell of a career. I mean, the average careers in a lot of sports three years probably professional sports maybe. Yep. yep. 
on average. So, yeah. So, you know, he's definitely going to be missed, but it just means another young guy's got to step up to the mic and, uh, you know, basically become them, you know, become another face. So we'll see. Yeah, take on some leadership. I'm with you. Uh, you know, frees up about five plus million in salary cap space because he retires. Flyers will certainly put that to use, I'm sure. So we'll see what shakes out for the Fly guys next few weeks. Um, again, a couple weeks ago, we we said we put a, a finishing bow on the Flyers and sort of their offseason plans. I think probably, you know, a week or two from now after we see how free agency plays out and the draft finishes up would probably be an appropriate time for that. Um, and I had I hinted at the possibility of maybe a, a trade for the Flyers, um, maybe taking a uh, a flyer, so to speak, on an old face that Chuck Fletcher would know from Minnesota. Uh, one of the guys I had mentioned was Jonas Brodeen. He's now since signed a new deal with Minnesota. He ain't going anywhere. Matt Dumba continues to be on the trading block. He's an offensive-minded, right-shot defenseman uh, that plays with some, some jam to his game. He's had a couple of down years after tearing his peck two seasons ago in a fight. He sort of hasn't been that same game-breaking player. Uh, but still very young. I want to say 25, 26 years old for Matt Dumby. He's a former first-round pick. He's a right-shot D-man, as I said. Niskanen's a right-shot D. I wouldn't be surprised if Fletcher continues, uh, if he hasn't already, started some conversations with Bill Guerin in Minnesota uh, because Guerin's made it abundantly clear that if the right package comes along, he'll make a move and send Matt Dumb out of town. So we'll see how all that plays out. All right, Your uh, question, what, I just want yeah. a question for you, Joe, is – so basically, if when Niskanen retires, right, then his salary is not held against our cap. Exactly. Yeah. But why yep. was Pronger's salary? Because he was long-term IR, so he was sort. He, they were able to put him on long-term long-term IR, if I understand the situation correct, because he was injured and but, sort of in no man's right. land. Right, and, and then okay, because like then the retired. money. Yes. I mean, his money. The kept... Flyers, that, that number was always on their cap until basically like right before the year. And then they were able to slide it to that LTIR, the long-term IR. And I think that got him off the hook. Uh, I'm not really sure the difference there. I don't know if it's because Niskanen's contract only had a year left or what have you. Or, yeah, because then they uh, traded Pronger the to the Coyotes, was, but... right? And then yeah. so like. Yep. So, again, I just don't understand yeah, why they were the cap floor. still – yeah, what the difference is there? That's a good responsible. question. Uh, then, unfortunately, I don't have the no, answer. No, yeah, I hear It's my understanding that Niskanen's money comes off the books and the Flyers have about five plus to spend right, now. Well, that's... Which, again, you know they'll put yeah. the use. Uh, moving along, my friend. Matt Klintak steps down as Philadelphia Phillies GM. I'll start. Please and thank you. This was a, like, a chicken you-know-what move, in my opinion, by the Phillies. Yes. It, it seems very cowardly. Like, why does he get the right to step down? Fire his ass. Move on. Replace him with somebody that doesn't come from the same school of thought. Don't just shift him down the hallway like when they put Howie Roseman in the janitor's closet when Chip Kelly took over. Matt Klintak, see you later. That should have been the Phillies' mandate. They should have never given him a chance to resign or step down. This is like when somebody is screwed up and you go to them and say, listen, we're going to fire your ass for screwing up. Or you could take the classy way out and get out in front of the blowback. Now, Matt Klintak did nothing wrong other than build a flawed baseball team, right? He didn't have any transgressions we're aware of, you know, off the field, so to speak, that would have caused this type of scenario. But he was given the chance to keep his job in the organization 
and move down the hallway into some analytical or scouting role, whatever he's going to do. I don't like it. It reeks of, you know, just just gas him. See it later. You didn't do a good enough job, and good luck in your next endeavor. That's the way this should have played out. I didn't like it at all. And on top of that, John Middleton, I this kind of we're combining a couple of quick hits here, but John Middleton needs to shut his face, put some duct tape over his pie hole. I cannot handle him. These press conferences, these interviews, these Zoom calls he's been doing, thank God this has got to be the end of him because every time he speaks, either it's about Real Muto or the team or the front office or the salary cap or the, the coronavirus, he just says something dumb. And I'm, I'm sick of it. Today they played some clips on WIP. I was mind-blown where he's talking about hiring a new GM, but the landscape's so uncertain due to coronavirus. Who knows if somebody will want to take the job because they don't feel safe. Like, is John, just because John Middleton might be high risk because he's like 70 years old, like uncle, you got to hire a GM, dude. You're running a baseball team. Hire somebody. If they're afraid... To, to come to Philadelphia or to join your organization during a pandemic, then they probably shouldn't be getting interviewed in the first place. Like what real, if you're the assistant GM of team XYZ and you're the hot commodity and the Phillies call and we're going to give you your dream job to run a baseball team. Sorry. I'm a little hesitant because of COVID. What the hell? That'd be the first red flag to take them off your list. In my opinion, like give me a break. Your thoughts. Uh, just, you know, when I heard stepping down, I'm like, okay, so he didn't want to fire him. Okay. He's my initial thought was great. He's no longer with the organization, which kind of what we were calling for. We were also calling yep. for the president of operations, Andy McPhail to be zipped too. And that didn't happen. So you're keeping, you know, your reassignment. Now what Clintech does now, I don't know if he drives a hot dog, you know, <laughs> the hot, the dog, hot dog, gun. dog gun, you know, he becomes the driver for for, for the, the fanatic, fanatic, you know, if that's one of the reassignment jobs. Uh-huh. Love to have a list. They're, they were doing a list on the radio. Where do you think he gets reassigned to? What concessions stand? But the bottom line is this, you know, John Middleton comes out and says, let's spend stupid money. And now he's having a damn cheap attack is what it seems like to me because he still owes Clintac yep. $6 million. So, okay. If we just reassign him somewhere in the organization, then it can validate me spending six million dollars. Then he comes. Hang huh? on a second. I didn't. I didn't know this because again, I'm kind of sick to the whole thing. <laughs> I moved on from the Philly What's season. That? I mean, I got. I have two things. One is sign JT Realmuto, and two, figure out a bullpen. Okay, for next year. Oh yeah, sorry. Three, sign DD Gregorius. Other than that, like, I want the lineup to come back. I want the bullpen to be better, and I want to see what this team can do over a real season. But I, I pretty much washed my hands. I haven't even watched that much playoff baseball. It just – I just – I don't think I'm over it yet, the Phillies' disastrous 60-game season. Are you telling me that Matt Klintak is still going to get $6 million for yep. the organization? Yeah, and whatever role he plays, hot dog, launcher, fire guy, whatever he does. You have got – like, I've never dropped the F-bomb on this podcast with yeah. every 200 episodes. I am so I know. Right well, now. that's – that's You have well, got – Well, here's the deal. Not only that, then they promote, like, his number two. So where is the philosophy changing? Clean house. Then I heard this. Well, maybe Rice might go one more year 
Okay. And then Theo Epstein's contract is up in Chicago, and then they try to go after Theo Epstein. Like, no. I don't like that either. Like, granted, Theo Epstein, he's done some good things. He's, you know, with the Red Sox and the Cubs, but now their form system's crappy. Go get somebody from, like, Tampa or somebody. Somebody that's had, or the Dodgers, lights out form systems. We need people that can evaluate talent and get rid of these. How difficult can this be? Well, Joe. uh, (laughs) I would feel like the GM position is not that hard. You look at the roster. You make improvements. Your scouts, your director of scouting, they handle all the other stuff. you got to pay people to go out and see these kids in Cuba, Dominican Republic, AAA, single-A, high school ball. The GM's not doing that. Yeah. I mean, it's – yeah. No, it's it's just ridiculous. So – you hire so the people. Listen, you pay them in the to do Sixers front office, there were still two analytic idiots that were from the Colangelo regime that they didn't zip out of town. And it's like, why? If these guys and their philosophies are still in there, how can Elton Brand? Do you know what I mean? It's he can't be his yeah. own man. So just get rid of these guys. You know, just pay. Them. And Middleton to come out too, talk about real Muto. Now he's kind of backpedaling. Well, if we knew we couldn't sign him right away, well, then maybe we never should have traded Sixto Sanchez. Well, no crap, Dick Tracy. Okay, you say that now, just pay the guy what he wants. I listen, you paid Jake Arietta $75 million of stupid money for three years of 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 nothing, no production. You gave Scott Kingery money before he played a uh, yeah. a swing so, in the major leagues. You gave right. Bryce Harper more money than any player and had ever made. This guy is well, just it, as valuable. It's so ridiculous. Back. The other thing is like, oh, COVID. You know, they, see, they thought the market for these players would go down. They made a rash and it's not an irrational decision, thinking that okay. And then the question is, well, what if this guy has his monster knockout year because it's a contract year? I mean, we've seen it so many times in sports where when guys are on their final deal or the final year of their deal before they become eligible for free agency. And, you know, baseball, I mean, you're kind of like an indentured servant. So when you're finally up to get that major deal, you want to knock it out the park because essentially, you know, these guys really don't have free agency. Till they're like 26, 27, 28 years old. And they want to get that last home run deal to, you know, to secure their future, their family's future. So you can't blame them for that. But they just made a bad judgment. But if, if, if all along you thought you'd only control this guy for two years and you made that type of trade, you gave away a pitching prospect that could be a generational maybe pitching prospect, then you were just idiots. But – and the yeah. other thing is this, all it's, the owners, right? All the owners of Major League Baseball have made money for like the last 17 years. Their profits and revenues have increased. So they take a bath this year. Everybody is taking a damn bath because of the COVID and the right. pandemic. So you take one on the chin, okay? As Philadelphia fans, okay, hardworking, a lot of these people, extremely hardworking people, and you know, to try to afford tickets and everything else that goes on. We don't want to hear a billionaire come out and say, spend stupid money. And then now apparently all the money is dried up in the well 
and he can't afford to zip a guy for six million just to get rid of him. Give me a break. I know every fan's favorite line, and, and for good reason, is if you if you're gonna complain to us about the money, sell the team. Yeah. I mean, I've seen that a ton on Twitter the last two weeks. Uncle. All right, the six or seven new head coach, Doc Rivers, is the man. You're gonna call him Glenn. You're gonna call him Doc. What do you think? Well, there's only one Doc, so we're gonna call him Coach Rivers, maybe. Well, there should be two Docs, Doc no, Halliday. Now there's three. Um, nah, nah. You know, C- Coach Glenn Rivers. I don't know. I mean, Coach Doc. I mean, no, I'll call him Doc. I mean, we know. What do you think? Is he the guy? Well, let's put it this way, okay? Accountability to to do. Rivers made their decision to fire him, which kind of came to a shock, specifically because. They brought Paul George. It was the the year of their prize free agency period. Well, they get, you know, Kawhi Leonard to come to the Clippers and they get Paul George to come. And there were some issues, you know, them collapsing in the playoffs, not making the NBA finals or even getting to the Western Conference finals. That's kind of there was some fighting amongst teammates. A lot of people hate Paul George from what I understand. And maybe Doc Rivers was giving Paul George a break in front of the other teammates. So they had some chemistry and some issues there. The thing is this. He was, in my opinion, once he got fired, the number one coach in Canada. Apparently, the Sixers were extremely high on Mike D'Antoni. Okay. But if you look at his style, you know, that's a smaller team with a bunch of shooters. You look at our roster. uh, We are one of the largest teams in the NBA. And we have zero shooters on this basketball team. So, (laughs) fit-wise, I didn't think that that would work. Tyrone Lue, I don't know how good of a coach he is because, essentially, he won a title, yes, with LeBron James, but was he the coaching or was he just the puppet? I don't know. But so all these guys, the good thing that Doc's going to bring is he's got a ton of experience. He's won a lot of games in this league. He has a championship on his resume. He's dealt with big personalities, big primetime players, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, not to forget Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen. So he knows how to handle the superstars. I think for this team, again, accountability experience. You know, if you're not going to listen to him, you know, the one thing that I did make me a little worrisome is he's not worried about Ben Simmons shooting the basketball. Well, any coach that got hired, that should be on one of the priority lists. Okay, fine. He goes, I'm just worried. I just want him to score. Okay, great. Well, then he's got to score more. In order to score more, he's got to go to the free throw line more than five times a game. And he also has to become the better finisher around the rim. And if he just improves his free throw percentage by like four to five percent, which is not asking for the moon, the guy could probably average 22 points a game. But Again, it'll be interesting to see. I think he's going to be very helpful with kind of – he can lure free agents. Free agents will want to come play for him. He's a player's coach, but he also – he has the credibility because he's had success in the league. And it also helps the fact that he used to be a former player in the league. And so that always helps. So Joel Embiid seemed to be on board. He welcomed him. Can't wait to get started with you, Coach Revers. Uh, radio silence from Ben Simmons. No shock there. People like, oh, but you would think he would say something. But now that his guy, um, you know, Brown, Coach Brown got released, 
Maybe he's still salty over that. I don't know. But bottom line is, and I think they got to make some trades. they got to make some trades. But all in all, I like the coaching hire. Because to me, he was the best candidate out there. I'm also a big – I was also on the yep. Sam Cassell train. I think he's a guy that, again, player, been assistant for a long time. I could see him getting in somebody's face, essentially a point guard's face. He's got credibility because he was a good player, successful player. But maybe Doc brings him on the staff. There was talk about uh, Alvin Gentry coming to join uh, the Sixers staff. But it turns out yesterday he signed with uh, the Sacramento Kings. He's going to be joining uh, Luke Walton. So, again, if they could find a way to get rid of Horford, him out of here. There's a trade out there. Al Horford for Buddy Heald, you know. Again, I'm ready to start the shuttle bus with the rest of the guys, and, and we already know who Orford was on it. But all in all, I'm, I'll stop blundering about the Sixers, but all in all, I like the hire. I think it was the right hire. And I just want to thank the Los Angeles Clippers for making this an easy decision for us to make the right move at this time. I, I agree. When, he, when his name surfaced, when he became an available option, you know, kudos to Sixers yeah. move quickly and get it done. Let's just hope that Simmons yep. and MB buy That's in. The big uh, we all know this in. team was yeah, the whole team, team was was a game or so away. Yeah, a game or so away last year from going to the conference finals. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, they've fallen, you know, into the bottom echelon of the Eastern Conference as far as playoff teams go. Sort of that five to eight mix instead of a top two or three team. Um, you know, that's a difference of ten to twelve wins probably maybe more, and, and I think they just – I think some people are forgetting how close this team was. Now, granted, Jimmy Butler was a big part of that, but there's still two superstar potential perennial, you know, all-star players on this roster, plus Tobias Harris. I mean, I think there's more than enough there to make this At least better than you know, what they were. The Conference it, it'll be a new offensive philosophy. Exactly. I'll exactly. be into that. Um, also, Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris played his best basketball under Doc Rivers as a head coach. So that makes me feel a little better about Tobias Harris and the amount of money that we have allocated to him for the next four years. So, Love it. Love it. Uh, Bill O'Brien got fired by the Texans. I know you wanted to talk about that quickly. I don't think it's much of a shock. I mean, I, I kind of felt like this was – listen, the writing is on the wall. When there's smoke, there's a fire. There's, there's – I'm a big believer in that. And – just following some people down in Houston still on social media and knowing how good the Texans roster was on paper. You know, they were a, a halftime collapse away from going to the AFC Championship game last year. They had no business losing that game when they jumped out by three touchdowns to the Chiefs. Now all of a sudden he hasn't won a game since. He's the GM. He's the coach. He's too much to handle. Beefing with players. His way or the highway. Trades DeAndre Hopkins. That backfires big time. J.J. Watt apparently got in a shouting match with him. That came out today. And now Bill O'Brien, the first casualty of the coaching year. The Texans are 0-4. Even if Romeo <laughs> Cornell gets them to turn that ship around, what are they, 10-6 and six at best? Uh, and, and battling for a playoff spot down the final week or two. Uh, just a very disappointing turn of events for any Texans fans. I don't think we have any listening, but Bill O'Brien, the yeah, first NFL it was, casualty. Again, Kind of early in the season, the last person to get zipped after four games was that, not Regis Fielding, but that Joe Fielding from the Miami Dolphins. Um, yeah. But again, apparently, Brian, um, you know, Bill O'Brien had a huge fight with his defensive coordinator with J.J. Watt. So, 
there was a lot of turmoil there. He made some bad decisions. He made some contracts and trades that where he gave up a ton of assets and didn't get a lot in return. Well, yeah, they don't have a they don't have exactly. a first or second round so, pick next year. Can you imagine if they go four and twelve, five and eleven? Yeah, it's it's not going to be a good situation. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, he won an extension. I don't know. You got to figure out how you're going to work out the. Just didn't work out, but you know we'll see. I think if they really want to do themselves a favor, I think they need to look no further than Andy Reid's uh, offensive coordinator. Eric, greatest nickname ever by Chris Berman, sleeping with the enemy. Um, I think he'd be a great <laughs> fit because he's worked with Patrick Mahomes. Deshaun Watson has similar talent capabilities. I think that could be, and he's a creative offensive guy. I think that could be a good fit for them down there. So we'll, we'll see what happens. So This is the Brotherly Love Podcast, Anchor.fm, and all your podcast platforms. Follow us on Twitter at BeLovePodcast. If you download the Anchor app, you can actually leave us messages uh, for the podcast, stuff that we can play back or take your comments, criticisms, feedback, whatever. So Anchor.fm, and you can leave us a message. Johnny Mito's jumping to the birds. They win at 25-20. They get their first win of the year. I want to pose this to you before we get into some game balls. Uh, give me one overreaction from the win Sunday night over the um, that, You know, on ESPN, they always have Yeah, I mean, I think Monday. your reaction would be like that our defense is still really good. Like, number-wise, they're like first in sacks because the Steelers obviously didn't play last week. They have some stats where they're like top 15 in a lot of categories, but I don't, still don't think they're that great problem at linebacker now the defensive line has really stepped up and i think jim schwartz called a better game but again i'm there it is john made i love it i was gonna call you on the carpet i was gonna say it's time for john Mita to give jimmy schwartz uh, a little a little credit. credit but when please. he he started playing that so game please. prevent you from winning the game defense in the end where sam oh. fran was checking down the middle checking down just going up and down the field without getting pressure on the quarterback I mean, you're just making a quarterback easier when you're just doing that. You're playing with that much cushion, you know? If you're not getting a pass rush, then that defense just stinks out loud. But anyway, so I think your reaction is that the defense is fixed and they're going to be a top-10 defense. They played extremely well, but we also have to consider the source, considering they went from a second-string quarterback, he got benched, and then they threw in their third-stringer. So, Yep, I, I agree. I, my overreaction, but just keep this all in perspective, right? It's one win. It's a banged-up Niners team. The Eagles still have a long, long way to go. Wentz wasn't perfect. The Steelers now, because of the uh, the COVID situation with the Titans, they've essentially had a bye week now. So you got the Steelers sitting around waiting a week, resting up, getting healthy, and watching tape, preparing for the Eagles. And they're going to have some fans, albeit just a few thousand at Heinz Field on Sunday. But the Steelers are going to have a week to watch tape on a Jordan Mailata, right? Or if I'm not pronouncing that right. And the young wide receivers. So they'll find ways to attack uh, the younger players on the Eagles that maybe showed up well Sunday night. Uh, so my overreaction would just be pump the brakes a little bit. One win. It came against a banged-up team. And quite frankly, I, I think the Eagles still – look, I'm excited, but the Eagles still have a long way to go. Game balls, my friend. Who do you got? Um. 
game ball, I, I, I got to give a game ball to Carson Wentz, man. I mean, listen, we were talking last week. A lot of people are jumping ship on this guy. Again, I don't really understand it. Is he a different player? Sure. But I think a lot of it really comes down to coaching, play calling, you know, getting somebody down there. This was the first week. I don't know if you saw this, Joe. Press Taylor Playmakers. was down going over the tape with him as opposed to Nate Sudfeld, you know, on, on the old on the old um the old uh tablet. So right. So Yeah, the tablets, yeah. I, I just love the grid he played with. He was running reckless abandoned. He's like, if I get hurt, I get hurt. I don't give a crap. I gotta win a game for my football team. The pass that he dropped in the bucket, the full full ham was just incredible. Finally, he makes one of those clutch throws. Couldn't have come in a bigger spot. And so he definitely – so he, he gets he gets the game ball uh, for me. Did, did you see Did you see no. Fulgham's comment? No, I didn't see that. For a second? Yeah. And luckily the pass was yeah. literally just dropped well, in the lap. Do you remember Nelly Aguilar saying Dude, he lost the ball? You should see some of the catches Atlanta. that that guy's making out in Oakland right now. But whatever, I, yeah, yeah, Las, Las Vegas, Vegas. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I mean, listen, it could. And, and by the way, I, I I saw a screenshot of that play, the Fulgham touchdown pass. Yeah. Deontay Burnett, your guy, was running wide uh, open down the seam and would have had a. Okay. He could have crawled into the end zone. When right. didn't see him, he went to Fulgham. Right. Thank goodness the kid caught the ball. Well, and that ball uh, came out quick. Congratulations, man. You know? <laughs> I know. 1.9 right. seconds was the second quickest throw of the game. I mean, that's what the Eagles need more of. Uh, Wentz gets into trouble for me when he's sitting the way it's those intermediate yeah. routes. I talk about it all the time. It's five, seven step drops where he's stationary in the pocket. He's got four or five yeah. options and he tries to force the ball. You know, he's got to get it out quick. So many other teams are doing this, Not man. Exactly. This isn't just an Eagles thing. I'm watching these and, other and, teams. They're, you know, uh, just check it down, get it out of your hands, swing pass, screen pass, jet sweeps. Like, have some creativity. Try and catch the defense off guard. The longer the defense has to settle in to, uh, you know, to to blitz, to get the blitzers home, to have to win the battle at the line of scrimmage, the more trouble you put yourself in when you don't yeah. have anybody yeah, to run I past mean, you anyway. Was... Like, they have no speed or game-breaking no. ability at wide receiver right now. So, why are you yeah. trying to develop stuff no, down the quick, field? You know, I, I texted you. I was like, John Hightower caught a slant on fourth and six. I'm like, it's one of the more routine routes, yeah. number one. Amazing, and with the, if a corner's given a good cushion and the receiver runs the route the proper way, it's an easy way to get eight to ten yards. Yeah. You put the ball exactly. in a spot where only your receiver catches it. Even exactly. if he has to go to the carpet to make the play, you know, he rolls and, forward and, at six yards. Uh, defensively, man, Who else you got to go ball? with Alex Singleton. I know. Everyone's like, who the hell is Alex Singleton? And probably still doesn't know. But he was a backup linebacker that made the pick six. Granted, it was kind of an easy pick six, but he made the play. And that's right. An Eagles linebacker made a game-changing play, so I got to give him credit. And he <laughs> looks like it looks like he needs an opportunity to see if he can play. Because I'll tell you what, all right, I'm through with White Snake and Nate Jerry. By the way, by the way, we're now at 19 targets, 19 <laughs> I mean, catches by if an that's opposition. Not, if on that's Nate not White Snake, Gary. 
So now, now he's I mean, it's literally almost unfathomable. <laughs> John Meter, you know something? And I, I will book this. I mean, uh, you put the house on it. It's an absolute lock. You know what I could do on a football field is give up 19 <laughs> catches to the opposition on 19 targets. Yeah, I and know this, I is, uh, this is a safety, a converted safety, which shouldn't have some type of coverage skills. As a safety, you have to have some type of coverage skills. Uh, again, Satchewinder put it on Twitter. Nate, Gary, Jerry, Snakey, Whitey, whatever you want to call him, White Snake. He does not. He is not a starting NFL linebacker, and I couldn't agree with him more. So maybe we'll see a little more Singleton, but yeah, he should yeah, be a special. Exactly. Teamer. That's all. He should be the guy that the announcers are telling you are coming it, in because the right. other guys are dead. Exactly. But he was a nice draft selection for our our guys again. That that <laughs> two thousand seven. Well, balls. big game ball to uh, Malik Jackson. Uh, you know, part of the defensive line for, you know, yep. trying to, you know, alter the spot of the football in the goal line situation. Now, I thought the defensive yeah, line as a group, I'd give them a game ball. They were tremendous. They got yep. some pressures. They, they, they made some disruptions. It, it was good. I mean, that's when this defense will be fine if they can get the pressure up front. But you also give – again, I hate – I can't believe I'm going to say this right now. But – Jim Schwartz mixed up some blitz packages that that, that made some headway. All right, and that's all I'll say on that. But the defensive line was very strong, so that's very yep. encouraging to see. And uh, I just want to I just want to add this. I got a couple more for you. Cam Johnson is maybe the Eagles' best player, and when your punter's <laughs> your best player, that could be troubling. But the guy right now. If the season ended today, he'd have the second highest net Jeez, average what in is NFL that? history once. It's like he's literally like almost like sixty yards away. Oh, he's like a crazy. boomer. I mean, that was he's a been great draft. Great, we drafted him. I think. Um, <laughs> now who knows? Doesn't matter. Probably yeah, not. Yeah, probably. Let's look at their track record. Probably not. Um, you know, Travis Folga, man, you got to give him a game ball. He made a play. Yep. We've been begging a wide receiver to make a play. <laughs> Never heard of him. Well, sure. Which I didn't hear. You didn't hear this, but just a little, give you a caveat. Apparently, he was with Big Play Slay in Detroit and was like always running the scout team. So, Big Play Slay says, I mean, the guy literally only practiced, I don't know, three, four days? I mean. Yep. Yep. They said that uh, he's run the play twice. I'm sure you saw that. Once in practice last week, and they called it in the game, and Wentz told him, break in the huddle, be ready. And. (laughs) Thank God he was because, yeah. you know, he fought through some jam coverage. He, he he caught the ball. He stayed in bounds. I don't think exactly. he knew what to do when he, when he got into the end zone. But a uh, huge play. We're dying for it. And finally an Eagles receiver stepping up. And, and, and seeing this crap today, the J.J. Ortega Whiteside's back at practice. And Doug can't wait to get him back. He's still part of the offense. See you Uncle. later. Uncle. I don't want to see him on the field. I don't care. Don't look his direction. Dude, in my he opinion, should be on, full, he should be he's, on like he's, he's one game. is more production than Whiteside's had in his career. Uh, <laughs> Two I catches, mean, it'd be hard to argue. yards and a touchdown. It really would. Uh. It really would. 
And then lastly, I'm going to give a game ball. I agree with Wentz. I agree with the, you know, the D as a whole, the turnovers, the pressure. By the way, none of which seem to come from Fletcher Cox, which is concerning yep. and probably a side topic for another oh, podcast. Oh, big one. Were my That's a great uh, – You know, to, to come in and, and make his first NFL start and get anything more than just a few snaps, which has been his previous track record and resume, the hold up. You know, he had the false start, which I'm sure he was kicking himself over. But for the most part, um, he did great. You know, watch some some tape breakdown for some. Yeah, everyone gave him a good grade. Accounts, he handled things well. Well, this we'll is going to be a challenge. Week, It'll be a but, big challenge you know, because Pittsburgh, they, you know, their base defense is a three-four, which essentially is their their outside rushers are yep. essentially linebackers. So these are speed guys. The Steelers' defense yep. is very comprehensive. They're going to send. They're going to do a lot of stunts. They're going to do some twists. They're going to. So this would be a great test room. But for the guy only playing football for three years, did a hell of a job at left tackle. And to be honest with you, God knows what's going to happen with with Andre Dillard if he comes back. But, again, if if this project turns into Jordan Maialata, a starter for your football team, that's a great time because to be – in in all honesty right now, I think we've seen the last of Jason Peters. Um, Real quick for me, like – Malik Jackson, Javon Hargrave, maybe there's some chemistry from some practice time, maybe just getting back up to game speed. But if those two give you what you used to get from Fletcher Cox and whoever was sitting next to him, standing next to him, you know, again, maybe this defense starts to take a few steps in the right direction. But got to pump the brakes exactly. a bit. Given the exactly. Fact but, Lawrence I mean, let's face it, too. They're also um, the highest-paid defensive line in the National Football League. So, right. So, yeah. you, you know, time you, you expect that type of production. If not more. A couple other thoughts I got on the game with Jannard Avery with five quarterback hits. Yeah. Uh, big part of that D line being the difference. You know, listen, the play calling still. I mean, Doug tried his best to blow it on that on that drive that turned out to be the eventual game leading drive. Obviously, they get the pick six from Singleton, but you know they they get the fourth and four to convert, and you're like, all right, Doug's not playing for three to tie the game. And then what do they do? They try a, a double pass with Hurts and Wentz. doesn't work. You know, Hurts has to just basically do anything he can to get four yards. Then they had, like, a penalty. Then they tried that double reverse or the jet sweep, whatever it was, to Killens Jr., fresh off the practice squad. Fresh on the cut list. Yards. Yeah. What are we doing, dude? Yeah. You know, what are you doing? Like, Miles Sanders, why? What? I don't understand. I don't want. Maybe I'm just upset because I took him in both fantasy leagues. I mean, call me what call me what you want. A homer. Maybe I overvalued Miles Sanders, but I just felt like this, he's a game breaker, and he's not, not being given the chance to the play opportunities any games in, the, right in the fourth quarter. And I and listen, I know he might not be great between the tackles. That's it. So get him on Find the, the matchups. No, I mean it's not that hard. It's not that hard. And Zach Ertz four catches for nine freaking yards. Yet Richard Rodgers was running free. Well, what he's am probably getting double covered a lot. So, but you know. Again, I mean, I don't know. People are going to hate me for saying this. But you, you, maybe at the trade deadline, you, you got to strongly think. You cut out there, brother. Give it one more time. Assume yeah. you said a trader. I said, on the depending on how this season goes, at the trade deadline, you might want to strongly consider trading Zach Ertz. But – I, I don't know. Well, I mean, because you're going to be in cap down. hell. I think Dallas Goddard has a higher upside. Um, 
again, I love what he did for us for the Super Bowl, but I don't know. I think Goddard has a higher potential. I know that sounds crazy because I disagree with that. I disagree with that. Right now, you're saying that because Ertz maybe is starting to slow down a step. But let's not forget two years ago, Ertz had like well, hundred catches and broke the record for tight ends. You know, that's yeah. not that far ago, oh, that long ago. All right, John Amita, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, your thoughts on the game against the Steelers. Do the Birds have a chance to pull it out? I mean, Steelers coming off a rest, never a great recipe. The question is, who's going to be able to make enough plays against that defense, which is in all likelihood the best in the NFL? So, do they have a shot? Sure, because nobody thought they could go into San Francisco and win. So, sure, there are going to be some fans there. So, maybe the negative fan energy against them will get them a little fired up as well. So, they got a shot, but... I would lean towards the Steelers are probably winning this game. It, it, it's it's tough. They're playing pretty well right now. So. The Steelers have beaten three teams with a combined one win. Okay. So, so I'm gonna true. I'm gonna say that they're not. Listen, I think they're a good team because Mike Tomlin. I respect the hell out of as a head coach, and Big Ben's obviously been there, done that. Juju Smith, uh, Juju Smith Schuster, legit wide receiver, but big play Slay. We're paying him all that money. Maybe he locks him down. I think the Birds have some momentum, some confidence for the first time. This is back-to-back games where Wentz has done some things in the second half to give him a chance to win. I think they understand if they don't win this one, you know, then Sunday night football against the Niners doesn't mean squat. So I'm going to pick the Birds to squeak one out. I'm going to go with 24-23, to 23, the Birds in a nail-biter to get back to 500. And then I'm going to take off my Eagles jersey and hat and, and uh, sneakers and socks for that homer pick. But I'm uh, the birds are going to sneak one out, Johnny. Me, that's what I'm going to go with. All right. I like All it. Right. Uh, lastly, I, like it. I got a trivia question for you. All right. All right. Hit me on. Right. Uh, by the time most of you listen to this, it'll be a, a day or two maybe from when we post it. So I'll just say this. This week was marked 10 years to the day for Roy Halliday's postseason no-hitter. He gave up one walk in the game as the Phillies shut out the Reds 4-0 and Halliday's first postseason start. Doctober, baby, the no-hitter against the Reds. Who drew the walk against Doc Halliday in that game for Cincinnati? Man, I should know. Um, you should know it because he's on the Phillies this year. Oh, Jay Bruce? Jay Bruce, Bruce drew the walk. Yeah, did you also hear, I heard a story today, which is kind of funny that you bring this up, that Essentially, Doc Holliday was a little pissed off with Joey Votto stepping in and out yes. of the box. And he told him if he did that again, the next time he'd kill him. Yep. Or he'd like to kill him. He wanted to leave the mound and choke him out. Yep, I did else. see that. I saw that video clip. It was great. It's about a seven-minute yeah, piece that Major League Baseball had uh, interviewing guys as part of that game. Ryan Howard, Chase Utley, Votto. Uh, and Votto also said that Jay Bruce would constantly remind him that he was the guy that drew the walk. And Votto said he was trying to get Halliday off his mojo, so he stepped out not once but twice in the at bat. And Doc told yep. him at the All Star game the next year, "I wanted to choke, he <laughs> wanted to choke him out." Yeah, that was clear. I love it. All right, thanks for tuning in, everybody. John Mead, a great job as always. You got it. You're the best, Joe. Thanks everybody for listening. Let's go, Birds. All right, for John Mead, I'm Joe O'Donnell, Brother of Love Podcast. Till next time, we'll see you.